Well, glad you could join us today. My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the lead pastor here at the City Church. And my guess is if you're anything like my family, you've been watching a lot of TV and it's not sports. It's not March Madness. Uh, it's not anything like that. It's been Netflix or Amazon Prime. Maybe you're watching a lot of movies on demand, maybe spending more money during the quarantine than you ever did before. And it's just on, on rented movies that you're watching on demand. We've been watching a lot of things. In fact, today, and even over the last few weeks, we found ourselves watching church like sitting on our couches, maybe in your recliner, uh, in our pajamas, maybe even in your underwear, and uh, you're, you're watching, you're observing church. And here's what would be easy for a lot of us maybe to do, and maybe you've even thought this, maybe you've even said this, man, I like church a lot better like this. I don't have to get ready. Uh, I don't have to go anywhere. I can just kind of sit here on my couch and I can watch. Well, let me ask you this. Who, who, what kind of people watch and observe and are entertained? What, what, what kinds of people watch things? They observe them and they're entertained by them. We call those people fans. And Jesus is not looking for fans that just think he's great and that are entertained by him, that maybe even believe in him. Jesus is looking for followers. And so in this series, we've been looking at what, what's the difference between a fan of Jesus who maybe has a side Jesus and a follower of Jesus who follows Jesus as Lord, because Jesus is looking for and calling for followers that follow him as Lord. Before the time of Christ, Gentiles, like non-Jewish people who were interested in becoming Jewish, like following the, the law and following the, the, the morals and the monotheism that was found in Judaism, this conversion of Gentiles to Judaism was more prevalent among women than men. Men who were attracted to the monotheism, the morality of the Jewish faith and way of life were largely content with a looser attachment to the synagogue, which was the center of life and faith in Judaism. They would attend worship there. They would observe as fans. And Gentiles who attached themselves in this loose way to the synagogue, these, these converts that didn't go so far as becoming true converts, like those who just kind of watched and observed, but they didn't go as far as becoming true converts, were called God-fearers. And so in your New Testament, often in the Gospels, you, you will find reference to these people, the, the God-fearers. These are Gentiles who did not fully convert over to Judaism. And more often than not, these were men. Oftentimes women had no problem with fully converting and following the Jewish way of life. Now you might be wondering, why, what was the deal with the men? Like, why didn't they want to fully convert over to Judaism? What did it take? What was the difference between a God-fearer, someone who just kind of attended and observed versus a true convert to Judaism? What, what was the difference? Why, why were the women more likely to convert than men? Well, here's the reason. To be a true convert to Judaism, 
as a man, it meant circumcision and sexual purity, circumcision and sexual purity. And so guys were like, nope, not me. That's strike one, strike two. Uh, we'll just go ahead and say that's strike three. Like all of it, I'm out. Like that's not for me. I will attend and watch and believe, but I'm not going all in. And so many men, even before the time of Christ, Gentile men, would say, I'm out. Like I'll attend and watch. And they would have this loose attachment to the synagogue, this loose attachment to Judaism. You see, crowds, fans are fickle. And maybe, just maybe, this lifestyle sounds somewhat familiar to you. Maybe it sounds somewhat familiar to us in American Christianity where we attend and watch, but we haven't gone all in with Jesus. You see, the question I've wanted you to consider in this series is, do I have a side Jesus or am I following Lord Jesus? Some of us have a side Jesus, like a side hustle or a side chick. He's not our main thing. We haven't radically reoriented our lives around following him and his mission and, and attaching ourselves to his kingdom and obeying his teachings. We haven't gone all in. We have a loose attachment to a side Jesus. Now, some of us might be wondering, well, what's the problem with that? Like, why can't I just watch and observe and maybe show up a couple of times a year why, why, why can't I do that? Why do I have to go all in with Jesus? Can't I just believe in Jesus like and attend and observe? Like, isn't that good enough? Do I really need to go all in? And how would you know if you've made Jesus a side Jesus or if you're following Lord Jesus? Well, in this series, what we're trying to do, what I'm hoping, hoping and prayerfully praying for is that I will convince you of two things. One, that there is no such thing as a side Jesus. And two, that real life, like the life that you were designed and created to live is found in following Jesus as the Lord of your life, going all in with Jesus. And so last week we talked about Peter's confession of Jesus that Jesus was the Lord of his life. And today we're going to see another follower of Jesus make their confession that you are not a side Jesus, you are Lord Jesus. And so each week in this series, we've been looking at what does it look like to follow Lord Jesus? How do we know if we've got a Lord Jesus or a side Jesus? So if you got your Bible, go to John chapter 20. You can open our app now. It's a great time to break it out. Uh, the City Church Lubbock, download it in your app store. Uh, the verses and the points are gonna be there. There's gonna be some fill in the blanks there for you. And when you fill in the blank with the right answer, which you'll see on our TV here in just a second, it gives you a little green line, means you got the right answer and you feel all good about yourself and spiritual that you got got a right answer in church today. So follow along with us with the verses and the points. So here's what's happening in John chapter 20. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the grave. He's appeared to some of his disciples and now he's appearing again because some of them were missing. Some of them have been missing. Some of them haven't like stuck together with the rest of the group. And so in John chapter 20, we find Jesus appearing to his disciples again. 
So turn there with me now, scroll down in the app, John chapter 20, verse 24 is where we're at. And here's what it says. Then one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others. And I want you to pay attention to that. We'll come back to that here in just a second. But, but Thomas has not been with the other disciples up until this point. So one of the 12 disciples was not with the others when Jesus came and they told him, we have seen the Lord. Like we've seen Jesus. He died, but he rose again. Thomas wasn't with them when Jesus had appeared to them in the past. We've seen the Lord, but he replied, here's Thomas saying this, I won't believe it unless And I want you to circle that word, underline that in your Bible, uh, take note of this. We'll come back to this again here in just a second. Thomas says this, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, believe, Thomas, stop being faithless. Watch Thomas's response. My Lord in my God, Jesus, you've risen from the grave. You've shown yourself to me. I've touched your hands. I've touched your side where that spear went in. I can see and know you are alive. You're standing right here in front of me. That means you are Lord and you, Jesus, are God. My Lord, and my God, you've proved it. You are who you said you were. You said you and the father were one. You said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I believe it now, my Lord and my God. And Thomas exclaimed, and then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. And this was true for Thomas and all of the disciples. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that more than 500 people saw Jesus alive at one time. This wasn't done in a corner. This wasn't done for for one person or even a few people. Many people, hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus risen from the grave and they all saw Jesus. They all eyewitnessed. They all touched him and and talked with him and, and ate with him. Acts chapter one says that Jesus spent over 40 days with his disciples risen from the grave. Hundreds of people saw Jesus and believed that he was Lord and God. But watch this. Jesus says this about me and you, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Thomas You've seen me risen from the grave and so you believe. But blessed are those that are gonna come after you, that are going to believe based on your testimony and Peter, your testimony, and James, my brother, your testimony, and Mary, your testimony. Blessed are those who are going to come after you that haven't seen me yet believe. And so now, We've heard from Peter and Paul last week, and now we're seeing Thomas confess that Jesus is not some great teacher. He's not just some great prophet. Jesus is God 
in the flesh. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of the universe. And so now we have another confession that Jesus is Lord. You see, watch this. Fans say Jesus is great. Fans even believe in Jesus. In fact, in James 2, it says that even the demons believe in Jesus. So what's the difference between a fan or even the demons and followers of Jesus? Fans say Jesus is great, but followers say Jesus is Lord. Just like Peter, just like Paul, just like Thomas now. We'll see more even next week that have said Jesus is Lord. That's the difference between a fan who has a side Jesus they attend, they observe, they, they, they watch, but they haven't really gone all in with Jesus. They haven't reoriented their lives around following Jesus's life and teachings and, and kingdom and mission. Fans say, Jesus is great. Maybe they even say, Jesus, I love you. You're great. You, you died on the cross. They sing the songs. They pray the prayers. Maybe they even show up to church a couple of times a year. Fans say, Jesus, you're great. But followers say Jesus is Lord and they completely reorient their lives around following Jesus. So in this series, again, we are looking at what's the difference? Like, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it look like? How would you know if you've got a Lord Jesus or a side Jesus? It's kind of like how you know if you've been quarantined or not. There, there's some examples. There's some characteristics of those of us who are in quarantine right now. Here, here's a few, like, you know, you've been in quarantine. If you started out this past week with a schedule for your kids, like a school schedule, like if you're like us, you started online school this past week and, uh, so thankful for our, our teachers and administrators and, and uh, school districts that are working so hard to provide their content online for us. We're so thankful for them. And many of us started online school this past week. And you know you've been in quarantine if you started online school this past week and you actually created a schedule, like a school schedule. Like you're going to get up at this time. We're getting dressed. We're going to eat breakfast. School starts at this time. Like recess is at this time. Like you went all out and you created the schedule, but you also know if you've been in quarantine, if you had some tears this week, like you started the schedule, you got frustrated, your kids got frustrated and you shed some tears. And then finally, you know you've been in quarantine this past week and doing online school this past week if you threw the schedule away, you started over, you said, oh, well, maybe the schedule isn't going to work and you trashed it. You know you've been in quarantine if, right? Well, in the same way, we, we know and we can tell if we're followers of Jesus, if we're followers of Lord Jesus, or if we've got a side Jesus. So how do you know if you've got a Lord Jesus or a side Jesus? How, how, how do you know? Here's number one. First of all, you know, you have a side Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're a fan of Jesus, but aren't present. Let me say that again. Give you a chance to fill in the, the, those blanks on our notes on our app right now. You have a side Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, but aren't present. 
What do do I mean by that? Well, here's what we find in John chapter 20 is that Thomas was not present with his faith family, with his brothers and sisters in Christ. Where was Thomas? Well, we don't know where he was. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Here's what we do know, though. He wasn't with the rest of the disciples when Jesus was appearing to them. He was absent at an important time when his brothers and sisters in Christ needed him. He wasn't there. They were struggling. They were were hurting. They were fearful. They were in a time of hopelessness. And maybe you find yourself there right now. You're in a season because of this virus where you're struggling, you're hurting, you're fearful, you're hopeless. Well, Thomas and his brothers and sisters, his faith family are struggling and they're all together, but Thomas has not been present. He's been absent when they needed him and when Thomas needed them. Where was he? Well, even when Thomas does show up, And his brothers start telling him, hey, we've seen the Lord. We've seen Jesus. Thomas doubts their eyewitness testimony. I mean, these are people that he has loved, that he has been following Jesus with, that he's done life with, people he's trusted. And here they are telling Thomas, they're excited about what they've seen and heard. And and Thomas doesn't even believe them. He is a critic and he doubts their eyewitness testimony, the testimony of people that he loves and that loves him. So he's absent. When he does show up, he's doubting his brother's eyewitness testimony. Let me ask you this. Are you present and committed to your faith family regardless of the circumstances? You see, at this moment, Thomas isn't. Thomas isn't present. He's absent. When you look at your life, are you present with the body of Christ? Have you been present or have you been absent? Like regardless of the circumstances, like regardless of if you've been struggling or when you're hurting or maybe even when times are great. You see, oftentimes the highs and the lows will keep us from our faith family, from the body of Christ, from the church. Now, that could be a small group meeting in a home. That could be a large group that's meeting for worship like a lot of us do on a weekly basis. But whatever that looks like for you, have you been absent from your faith family? Or have you been showing up? Have you been present? You see, a lot of times, even our view of church, the body of Christ, like being together with the body of Christ is a self-centered one. Like if we're not there, then the only person that affects is me. If I don't show up, well, I can catch up. I can watch the live stream back. I I can watch the podcast. I I can jump on the app. I, I can catch up if I miss, if I'm absent. And we never consider what our absence means for others. And maybe what other people needed from us, what our presence would have meant to other people in our faith family. Have you been present or have you been absent? 
Let's just start with, have we been present even more than we've been absent? Or is it more characteristic of your life that you've been absent from the body of Christ more than you've been present? You see, I would challenge you today that your presence or lack thereof says a lot about whether or not you have a side Jesus or you have a Lord Jesus. Now, we're not talking about attendance for attendance sake. We're not talking about checking things off of a list to somehow be approving to God. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who love and follow Jesus, who've made Jesus the Lord of their life, and they can't help but want to be with their faith family, with the body of Christ, like to be present with them, whether it's good times or bad times, regardless of my circumstances, people who have a Lord Jesus have this inner desire and this inner passion to gather together with the body of Christ and be present. What does it say about us that most of us are more present on the field or at the competition than we have been with the body of Christ? What could God do and what would God do if people begin to follow Jesus as Lord and were more present with their faith family than they were with the activities that so fill our busy lives and schedules. What if God is trying to show us during this time that that we've been more absent than present? And it's time to get our priorities straight. You know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't been present Secondly, you know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but have an unless faith. Let me say that again. Give you a chance to fill in the blanks right here. You have a side Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're a fan of Jesus. You think Jesus is great. You sing the song. You pray the prayers. You show up maybe even every once in a while, but you have an unless kind of faith. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. In John chapter 20, Thomas says to his friends, to his faith family, guys, I'm not going to believe unless I won't believe it unless I touch his hands myself, unless I put my hand in his side where that spirit went in. I'm not going to believe unless you see an unless faith is a show me faith. God, you got to show me something. You got to do something for me. You've got to show me. And if you show me and you keep showing me and you keep showing me and you keep showing me, then I'll follow you. Then I'll believe. Then I'll trust. I've got an unless kind of faith. It's a conditional kind of trust, almost as if God, if you keep doing what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, then I'll follow you. But if you don't do X, then I'm not going to do why I'm not going to believe I'm not going to follow because I've got an unless kind of faith. I've got a conditional trust in John chapter four, verse 48. Jesus said this, that unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never, you will never believe. You see, even there too, we find people who 
demanded hard proof, who demanded a sign before they would trust in Jesus, before they would give their lives to Jesus. But listen, it's never enough. No matter how many miracles Jesus did in the gospels, it was really never enough for many people. The people who demanded the proof, the people who demanded the signs, the people who had the unless kind of faith, it was really, when it all came down to it, it was never enough. Because even after Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave, a few verses later, it says that people were gathered together to try to figure out how to kill Jesus and how to kill Lazarus. You see, it's never enough. If you have a show me kind of faith, if you have an unless kind of faith, you will find it's never enough. So seeing in and of itself isn't the way to know and experience God. Many of us think that many of us have lived like that, that kind of like Thomas. Well, if you'll show me, if you'll do this, then I'll do Y. If you do X, I'll do Y. If you show me, then I'll believe I will trust. I will follow But what we find over and over and over again throughout the gospels and the life of Jesus is that no matter how many miracles Jesus did, it was never enough for the show me kind of people. It was never enough. Seeing in and of itself is not the way to know and experience God. Faith is. And faith is the assurance of things we cannot see. And that's the way to know and experience God. But here's what's incredible. As often as people were asking for signs and wonders and miracles, Jesus would oblige. He would start with where people are at. And that's where Thomas is at in John chapter 20. Thomas is saying, hey, unless you show me, unless you prove it to me, I won't follow. I won't believe. Well, Jesus shows up and he starts right with where Thomas is at, like right where spiritually, like right where Thomas is spiritually and in his relationship with God right now, Jesus shows up and he starts with where Thomas is at and he shows him his hands. He shows him his side. He addresses and answers Thomas's doubts. Despite the doubts, Despite the unless kind of faith that Thomas is displaying right now, Jesus shows up. He starts with where Thomas is, but then watch this. He calls Thomas to more. He calls Thomas to more, like to more than a show me kind of faith. Like a deep faith is not a show me kind of faith. It's not a prove it to me kind of faith. So he starts, Jesus starts with where Thomas is at, at the moment, but then he calls Thomas to so much more. And Jesus says this, stop doubting, start believing in Greek. Here's what Jesus is saying. Do not become unbelieving, become believing. And I love that. I love the the Greek definition of those words that Jesus used there. Do not become unbelieving, become believing. Like Thomas, become a believing kind of follower. Stop having this unless kind of belief, this unless kind of faith. Stop doubting, become believing. And Jesus would say this, Because you have seen me, you believe. But speaking of us, like those of us who would come after 
Thomas, those who would have to trust in the testimony of people like Peter and Paul and Thomas and Jesus's brothers, like, like James and Jude, like those of us who would come later, Jesus said this, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. In other words, blessed are those who have an even if kind of faith. You see, fans have an unless kind of faith. But followers have an even if kind of faith. Like God, I trust you even if you don't do what I want you to do when I want you to do. You are Lord, you're in charge, you're in control, you know best, you know what's best for my life. So I trust you. And even if you don't do what I want you to do when I want you to do, even if God, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to worship you. Jesus, you are Lord, even if. So Thomas starts out with a unless kind of faith, but Jesus calls him to so much more. Jesus calls him to be a follower. And Thomas confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Thomas would begin to have an even if kind of faith. Blessed are those who believe even without seeing. And you know, right now in the season we find ourselves in, I really believe that God is doing something in our lives and in our hearts, because all the things that we see that we've placed our trust in, all the thing, the tangible things in this life, the physical things in this life that we've seen and that we've been able to hold on to, like, like jobs and income and money and, and maybe even houses and, and cars or, or, or sports, all these things of this world that we can see that are so tangible and so easy to give ourselves to and so easy to pursue, all these things that we see are proving to be unreliable, proving to be unworthy of our lives, of our affection, our focus. They're proving to be unworthy. And right now, more so than ever, we are crying out for that which is unseen, for the things of heaven. And people, maybe even you, are more interested in God and in your relationship with Jesus than you ever have been in your whole life. Because we aren't distracted by the things that we've been able to see. Now we're seeking after the things that are unseen. And I believe this, that if you will pursue the unseen things, like the things of heaven, like your relationship with Jesus, and you'll put your faith in Jesus, and you will follow Jesus who you can't see, you will find that relationship so much more satisfying and fulfilling than anything that you can see could ever offer. I think right now God's showing us that the things that are unseen are much more valuable and fulfilling than things that we can see could ever be. And so you know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you have an unless kind of faith. Followers have an even if kind of faith. And then third, finally, you know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't gone all in. Like you believe in him, you're a fan of him, you think Jesus is a great teacher, maybe you even read your Bible some, you agree with Jesus on a lot of things, but you know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but 
You haven't gone all in. In these verses, Thomas confesses that Jesus is Lord and God. And he says, you are my Lord and my God. And so here's what you've got to understand right here about Peter's confession. This isn't like a praise. This isn't necessarily a compliment that Thomas is giving to Jesus right now. No, this is a confession of Thomas's heartfelt belief that Jesus is the Lord and he is Lord of his life. The most outrageous doubter of the resurrection of Jesus utters the greatest confession of the Lord who rose from the dead. Thomas goes from being a doubter to uttering maybe the greatest confession of who Jesus is, the identity of Jesus in all of the scripture. You are my Lord, you're Lord of all, and you are God. You are God in the flesh. Thomas goes all in. He believes that Jesus is God, that he's the way to heaven, that he is Lord. And since Jesus is now the Lord of his life, when Jesus told his disciples, Thomas included, that you're going to go to all nations, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to baptize people, you're going to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And Acts 1 8, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, regardless of the cost. You're going to be my martyrs. We talked about that last week. That even though you may die for preaching this message, you're going to be my witnesses. And because Jesus is Lord, Thomas goes all in and he goes everywhere preaching and teaching that Jesus is Lord and God. Tradition says that Thomas went into Iraq, Iran, and then India, where he ended up being killed with spears and being burned alive. That's how Thomas died. He died as a martyr because he would not stop teaching and proclaiming and confessing that Jesus is Lord. He was obeying his Lord's mission that Jesus had given him to go and make disciples of all the nations. And so Thomas went to Iraq and Iran and India where he met his end as he was burned alive and speared to death. You might say, how do you know that? Well, we have many accounts outside of the scripture of what happened to the disciples, Thomas included. Clement, of the bishop of Rome in the first century, said this in a letter to Corinth. It's dated about 95 AD, so about 60 years or so after Jesus had risen from the grave. Here's what he wrote. Therefore, having received orders and complete certainty caused by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in the word of God, they went with the Holy Spirit's certainty, preaching the good news that the kingdom of God is about to come. Clement, the bishop of Rome in the first century, said the disciples, Thomas included, went with complete certainty of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead and that Jesus proved that he was God by rising from the grave, preaching that people should repent of their sin and give their lives to the Lord 
Jesus. Thomas and the other disciples were martyred because they would not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We saw it last week, day after day, from house to house, from temple to temple, from city to city. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Lord. You see, fans attend and watch. Fans attend and watch, maybe even say Jesus is great, but followers go all in. You know you have a side Jesus if you believe in Jesus, but you haven't gone all in. Like you haven't reoriented your life around following Jesus, his teachings and his mission to go and make disciples of all the nations. Followers of Jesus, like Lord Jesus, have completely reoriented their lives around the Jesus mission. They've gone all in with the Jesus mission. Whatever the sacrifice, whatever the cost, whatever the the price, I'm all in. I'm following my Lord Jesus and the mission he's given me. Followers go all in. We all start out as fans in the crowd, but Jesus is calling us to so much more. He's calling us to be followers. Crowds, fans are fickle. They jet when things get tough, but followers completely reorient their lives around following Jesus's teaching and kingdom and mission, regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice. I just want to tell you, Lord Jesus has so much more for you as a follower. You see, if you keep reading in John chapter 20, a few verses later in verse 30, it says this, that the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these, like the ones that are recorded in the book of John, but these are written so that, watch this, you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. These things have been written. These miracles have been recorded so that you can know and continue to believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. And watch this, and that by believing in him, By trusting in Jesus, by following Jesus as the Lord of your life, just like Peter did and Paul did, as we saw last week, just like Thomas did, by believing in him and following Jesus as Lord, watch this, you will have life. You will have life by the power of his name. Real life is found in following Jesus as Lord. It's in this pursuit. It's in this following of Jesus that your soul will be satisfied because it's what you were created for. It's what you were designed for. Paul writes in Colossians chapter one, that all things were made by God and for God. And then goes on to say that Christ is the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is God. You were made for Jesus. It's the reason you exist on this planet is to follow Jesus. It's why all these things that you've been able to see, all these tangible things that you can hold and and touch, that we give our lives to, that we pursue, don't satisfy, they don't fulfill us. And now, even today, we are finding them unworthy of our trust. 
but it's in this pursuit of Jesus, isn't this following Jesus as Lord, that your soul will be satisfied because it's the way the designer designed you. You are hardwired from the inside out to live for Jesus and follow Jesus and worship Jesus. That's why you're here on this planet. It's to know and follow Jesus as Lord. You see, I don't think God wants us to go back to normal. I think it's a question we've all been finding ourselves asking in this season. Like when, when are things going to go back to normal? Like when are things going to go back to the way they were? I'm not so sure God wants things to go back to the way they were. And I know that's scary for a lot of us. It's scary for me too, but I'm not sure. I don't think God wants us to go back to normal because normal for us doesn't satisfy. Normal for most of us has not been worthy of our trust. Normal for most of us has been unhealthy. It's been overwhelmed. It's been anxious. It's been depressed. It's been unspiritual. It's been busy. And I don't think God is looking for us to go back to normal. I think God is wanting to do something new in you this season. I think God's wanting to show you that you are designed to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life. It's what you were created for and it's what will satisfy the desire of your soul. You see, in reality, there's no such thing as a side Jesus. Only a Lord Jesus. There's no such thing as a, a side Jesus, only a Lord Jesus. And Jesus proved that he is both Lord and God by rising from the grave. And so Peter said in Acts 2, God has made Jesus Lord in Christ. You don't make him Lord. I don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. And he proved it by rising from the grave and appearing to the disciples, to more than 500 people at one time. And so watch this. Here's what I wanna challenge you with today is that Jesus is worthy of your trust. Jesus is worthy of my trust. Now you might be thinking, how can I know that for sure? Like, how can I know? How can I trust that Jesus really is the son of God, that he really is Lord? How can I know that Jesus is worthy of my trust? Well, here's why. You can believe, you can trust without seeing Jesus, like physically, like seeing him in front of you. You can believe without seeing because Thomas and other people like Thomas believed after seeing. Thomas and Peter, Paul, who was a church persecutor. We'll see next week, James and Jude, the brothers of Jesus who thought he was crazy. They all ended up believing that Jesus had in fact risen from the grave and they gave their lives to Jesus and they died as martyrs saying they saw Jesus. They eyewitnessed him risen from the grave. Atheistic New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman said this about the disciples. It may be taken as historically certain that Peter and the other disciples like Thomas had experiences after Jesus's death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen 
Christ. It's historically certain. Said this atheistic New Testament scholar that Peter and the other disciples had experiences after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them. Now, Gerd and other atheists and people who don't follow Jesus, who don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, try to come up with some other explanation. And none of those explanations satisfy the reasons that we believe Jesus rose from the grave and the fact that people like Peter and James and Paul and, and now even Thomas who didn't believe all ended up trusting that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus rose from the grave, that Jesus is God, and they all died as martyrs saying that they saw Jesus risen from the grave. Thomas's confession after seeing was my Lord and my God. And he died as a martyr saying he saw Jesus risen from the grave. So you can believe without seeing because people like Thomas and the other disciples believed after seeing. We're trusting their eyewitness testimony that they saw Jesus risen from the grave. And we have the scripture and many, many other sources, even outside the scripture, that confirm that these disciples believed they saw Jesus risen from the dead and they died as martyrs for that fact. So what about you? We saw last week, Jesus said, who, who do the crowd say that I am? But then he turned to his disciples, he said, what about you? And I want you right now, as you're watching this, as you're listening to me, hear me and even hear God right now in your heart asking you, what about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? Thomas said, you're my Lord and my God. He quit bowing up to God and he bowed down to God, to Jesus as his Lord and God. With the nail wounds in Jesus's hands, as he held them out for Peter, the disciples, his brother James, and for Thomas to touch. With those nail scarred hands, Jesus said, I love you. I gave my life for you. I went first. I'm worthy of your trust. Stop doubting. Become believing. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the testimony of Thomas who said, my Lord and my God. And God, I pray that by your spirit, you would move in our hearts now and you would lead us to follow Jesus as the Lord of our lives, that we would be present with our faith family as soon as we possibly can. And, and even now in creative ways, God, you would lead us by your spirit to have an even if kind of faith. You would lead us by your spirit to go all in, regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice. And today, by your spirit, you would move in our hearts that we might say right along with Thomas, you are worthy of my trust. You were worthy of my life and now you're worthy of my trust. I give my life to you, my Lord and my God, who died in my place for my sin. It's in your name we pray.